Hello there, welcome to the Broadcast Preview Podcast, the BPP, I think we'll start calling this. Callum Williams uh, joining you here, alongside me, as always, my partners in crime, Kindra D. St. Aubin and Jamie Watson. And we have an enthralling show coming your way. We'll talk all about the 1-1 tie at Rail Salt Lake for Minnesota United, discuss the latest gossip around the world of Major League Soccer, and, of course, preview the next match for Minnesota United at home to Vancouver Whitecaps. So, Kendra D. St. Aubin, we'll start with you. A useful point for Minnesota United at Rio Tinto Stadium. What did you take from the game? A useful point from the, the, the game at Rio Tinto <laughs> Stadium because I really feel like... Well, I, think it's, <laughs> 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 I think there's two games in a row for Minnesota United. You know, one against FC Dallas and one against, um, against Real Salt Lake where they didn't play their best soccer. It wasn't a very beautiful game, but somehow, some way, they managed to come away with points. And, of course, at home, the three points and on the road, a point. And we all said that, you know, every time you go into an MLS season, you know, if you can win the games at home and get the points on the road, whether it's a draw or, you know, split the points on the road in some way, shape, or form, you'll be in good standing at the end of the season or come playoff time. So for me, I think it was um, a much-needed point for Minnesota United, a a well-deserved point because of the stretch of games and um, playing at elevation and just knowing what they've been through in the last 22, 23 days. And uh, I think that they come back home now and hopefully with a full week of preparation and time under their belt to really get their wits about them can face a Vancouver side that is struggling mightily and they should step on and step on them hard. So for me, it wasn't a great game, good defensive game, lacking some offensive cohesiveness for Minnesota United, some offensive flair, just missing on some of the passes and some of the runs. But in the end, a point is a point on the road, and I think that's a, a good thing for Minnesota United at this point in the season. One thing I did notice, Jamie, at your former stomping ground was that several Minnesota United players did look very tired. And it's unsurprising, really, when you think of the amount of football that's been played over the course of the last six weeks or so. Yeah, it really has been a, a lot of soccer. And with Major League Soccer condensing the schedule by a month, there was going to be somewhere in which the schedule was going to get convoluted of sorts. And, and I think we found ourselves right in the midst of that seven games last 22 days. That was the one that kind of um, completed that 22-day stretch when you broke it down. And I think the the fact of the matter is, in soccer, performances don't always get remembered. Results do. And you're looking at a team that, along that span of time, ended up catapulting themselves in the Western Conference to fourth, which is now a home playoff game. Um, you look at the fact they got 13 out of 15 points collectively out of those five. Best in MLS over the last five games. So you start to say, based on the 90 minutes, that was a fair result, I thought, for the game. I thought both teams had chances. Minnesota United could have stolen at the end, and arguably you could have said the way the game was going at the end, it was heart and mouth sometimes for Minnesota United as well, defending a lot of the corners. The crowd finally got into it. It was a bit of adversity they were facing. But I think if you would have said to myself before the game a point out of this, I would have said, yeah, I would have taken it. And I think that's exactly what you should do because if you average that out over the the course of the five games like you mentioned, but more importantly, the last two games, two subpar performances, especially going forward, that it was really um, not indicative of how good the team had been over this stretch of eight games, all competitions unbeaten. Um, But the last two games in particular, two bad performances, only one goal, yet you walk away with four points, averaging two points over those games, two points a game right now 
only is best by LAFC with 2.19 points per game um, over the same course of a number of games. So that's good enough to pretty much win you most leagues in the world. Right now it has you sitting second behind arguably maybe one of the best teams ever assembled in Major League Soccer. So would you take two bad performances on the back end of that 22 days that still gets you four points? Uh, Absolutely. And um, in particular, I didn't think Real Salt Lake were very good on the day either. Uh, limited their chance going forward. I think you saw the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde that is Real Salt Lake the week before against Philadelphia 4-0 at home, yeah. dismantling of Philadelphia Union. thought they were fantastic, looked incredible. Then they came out this week, and it was it was not very um, – it wasn't easy on the eyes for Real Salt Lake. Same can be said for Minnesota United. But I also think a lot of credit goes to the defensive shape of Minnesota United causing that. And I saw an incredible stat somewhere along the way during the week that – um, RSL was only one for 10 on dribbles, meaning going at a player one-on-one when it's a moment of a one-on-one duel. And if you have that kind of success defensively, 90% of the time you're winning your one-on-one duels. That's remarkable. That's outstanding. That's outlandish numbers. And I think that's why you saw Minnesota United, uh, and the coaching staff go, right. Wasn't our best day, but we'll take it really pleased with the defensive performance too. I think, Kindred, what does this say about the character of Minnesota United? Because I remember you and I speaking on our post-game show on Fox Sports North, and I remember saying that I actually think in previous years, Minnesota would have lost that game. Not a lot of people go to RSL and have success, but Minnesota United did. Well, and I think that, again, we're, we're talking about a different Minnesota United team than the past two years, and even... I think that if you look at the FC Dallas game and not to keep harkening back to that one, I know it's a home match, but that was, again, not a pretty game, and they had to grind it out and find a way to get the victory and get the 1-0 win late in that match where it wasn't pretty. RSL very much the same to me, but on the road, and you said it. I mean, they have one of the best records in the Western Conference in the history of Major League Soccer since they've entered the league, and I do think the majority of that is because of the the elevation and the altitude and, and how tough it is to play there and teams fizzle out in the 60th minute. But I was talking to Josh, the strength and conditioning coach, the next morning at the airport, bright and early, and he was really impressed with the players and how they seemed to steady themselves throughout the match. They seemed to be pacing themselves because that was a concern for him, knowing that they had played so many games in so many days and dealing with the elevation. And so I think that those are all positive signs of this team, that they gutted it out in a tough place to play. It wasn't pretty, but they found a way to get the win. They were condensed and composed um, – and compact defensively, and they just didn't get the breakout on offense that we're used to seeing if they do have to play in transition. So, yes, I think mentally it was a victory in that sense because they they did find a way to gut it out and get the point on the road, and that is a, absolutely a game, I think, in the past that Minnesota United would have lost. Another player who continues to press, Jamie, uh, to impress rather, is, uh, is Hassani Dotson. Uh, voted in the MLS Team of the Week. I, I think it's safe to say a lot of people were, were split in terms of their opinion on his performance. Let's remember, he's only 21 years of age, started for the first time in central midfield in Major League Soccer on Saturday against RSL. As Kendra mentioned, at elevation, alongside uh, an experienced central midfielder in young Greg Ush, who I thought had one of his better games mm-hmm. for Minnesota United. What did we make of Dotson's contributions? Well, I think you've asked a lot already of the 31st pick overall this season, maybe more so than what the coaching staff anticipated uh, of asking of him in his first year. But with that in mind, I think the 21-year-old has done an incredible job of handling himself in a a situation which they've gone, right, 
you're going to pay play a couple of sparing minutes at the beginning of the season, but you're going to maintain your fitness. Then you get your chance against Air to Berlin in a friendly. You take it at an outside back position. That's not your normal position, yet you're a good enough soccer player to understand. You've paid attention in training during the tactical drills of how Adrian wants an outside back to play. And by the way, as a former player, I'm not so sure I would have necessarily paid attention completely to all the little intricacies of what a position did, and especially one with Roman Metzner, your only all-star playing there, knowing he's going to play every minute of every game, essentially, that he's available for selection. So you would have forgiven him if he would have said, right, I was just kind of focusing on center mid. That's the position that got me here. I need to just try to learn from Ozzy Alonso, really put all my eggs in this basket. Yet he adopted uh, some of the ideas and tactics of what, Minnesota United's coaching staff were trying to put in front of them as a group collectively. So when he got asked to play that role, he was able to do that right off the bat. Um, shows a lot about his his soccer IQ, his character, his mentality. Um, and I think that's what's so important in this transition because he's played right back, he's played left back. And then finally, due to injury with Ozzy Alonso, he was asked to play on the back end of the seven games in 22 days. You know, he's played 13 games now of the 21 for Minnesota United this season. Um, eight of them starting. That's been more of the recent reflection of his performances apart from Montreal away. I believe he started, you know, almost all of those consecutively, but he gets asked to play this other position and it kind of feels like an other position because of what he's been doing recently for the club and really buying into and, and, um, and doing so well at such a high level. That for me showed me that this kid has the ability to adapt, but also jump right back in and not really miss a beat. And the biggest thing for me was, was this maybe apart from the Cincinnati game? And that can be an anomaly because it was Cincinnati and they didn't look the part, did they? But was that Jan Gregish's best game? You can say maybe the Cincinnati one was, but was Salt Lake maybe 1B? Was it a second best game of the season for Jan Gregish, designated player? I think you can make the argument. So that's not with his usual pairing of Ozzy Alonso next to him. That's a compliment to Hassani Dotson making yes. Jan Gregush that much better while it's their first time really playing together from the start, you know, on the road at elevation, everything that you said, Kendra, it's, it goes to show he's not only impressing for himself, but he's making players around him better. Now, if we're looking at the big scope of things, the first thing that's going to stick out to me is going, is there a better rookie in Major League Soccer right now? Chase Gasper is obviously showing that he can play at a high level as well. You're going to have Andre uh, Shinyashiki at Colorado who's got four goals on the year, and those will be your discussions with that. But I think from an overall, how important he's been to the team, how well he's adjusted, if you actually, actually think of it from a critically soccer-specific standpoint, you're going to see that he's been the best overall rookie this year in a multitude of positions and for a longer stretch of time, more so than Shinyashiki's tapping on opening day in the right. snow. Unfortunately, and, and those aren't the ones that get the attention, right? You're right. I mean, you we hope, all know that. You hope but that they do. Look at what was a Corey Baird last year because he scored a ton of goals. And before that, it was Julian Gressel because he scored some goals. I mean, unfortunately, the rookie of the year seems to always be goal scoring but we all know that Hassani Dodson yeah is, let's hope that, that absolutely he should that, be that, that, that in the conversation and absolutely. you start to go who's been yep. actually the, the most biggest, valuable as yeah of course yep. you're right who's been most valuable to the team who's yep. who's actually proven that at this level they look like they're going to be playing in this league for the next 10 12 years mm -hmm. if they want to and mm -hmm. if you know touch wood that if everything goes well I think right now there's no better rookie in the league 
If you said right now, would you take Hassani Dotson or Andre Chinyashiki? Who do you take? Honest question, guys. Who do you take? Hassani Dotson. Every single day of the week. Okay, Hassani Dotson. So yes. if that's if I, I don't, I, I would have a hard time hearing the argument otherwise. Yep. What I will say is, I, I would take Hassani Dotson right now. I wonder in five years' time what it's going to look like because I do think Shinyashiki is going to be very good in five years' time as sure, well. Sure, definitely. Yeah. But right now, yeah. right now, absolutely Hassani Dotson. And I'm not saying Dotson won't be great in five years either. I'm not convinced he'll be in Major League Soccer in five years. I think he'll be elsewhere in Europe. Yep. But um, yes, right now, absolutely mm -hmm. Hassani Dotson. And then the discussion in five years if yeah. Shinyashiki is turning into a 10-goal-a-year season right. and Dotson's yeah. playing defensive mid and he's, you know, yeah. he's doing all that, then obviously the plaudits are always going to go to the attacking players and... The MVP is normally, you know, designed or the rookie year is designed for who scores the most, yeah. most goals a season, right? Mm -hmm. You bring up a good point, though, about Jan Gregus and, and Hassani Dotson. And this is, I still think the, the pairing of Jan Gregus and Ozzy Alonso is amazing. But what did Hassani Dotson say to us in the hotel before the match? He said he is going to just pivot off of what Jan does. He's going to stay out of Jan's way and just whatever Jan does, he's going to do the opposite. He's going to go to support Jan Gregush. So it's interesting then when it's Jan Gregush and Ozzy Alonso, it's kind of who is pulling the strings and not in a negative way. It's just different. Like if then Ozzy Alonso is maybe just, you know, is kind of dictating where Jan Gregush is going, that Jan Gregush had a different role in that match playing with, you know, with Hassani instead of Ozzy. So you can just see the different partnerships and how they change depending on who's in the middle together. It's wonderful to have depth. Isn't yes, it? those Minnesota are good United, problems to have. Uh, right, and, and now you're literally in a spot where you're with Metinair back. Yep. From African Cup of Nations duty, you get to choose between, you know, now you've got Chase Gasper, Hassani Dotson, and oh yeah, there's a new signing as well that plays outside back. So somebody's gonna get left out, and it's gonna be difficult. But whoever's lucky enough to get the jersey at the weekend, you talk about pressure. Mm -hmm. You have to perform, yes. or guess what? You might go to the end of the three rotation. And then you have to spend a couple weeks working your way back up and hope that the performances of the other guys in front of you, you know, don't warrant another week of keeping the shirt. Or as Adrian said today at training, like, I don't know, the guys, the, the, the starting lineup you thought might be it against Vancouver might not be it because the way they looked at training today, he didn't want to start a lot of them. Oh, I've been on the end of that, though. I've, I, I, I know exactly what that means. And you know what? I love that about Adrian. But at least there's quality and depth that, he may be serious. Right, and, and now not, not allowing complacency yes. against the second-from-bottom team in the yep. entirety of Major League Soccer, right? I mean, yes. on paper, yeah. yep. home this game. This is a trap game, in a sense, you know? Yeah, it's a trap game if you don't get anything but yep. three points, for sure. Yep. You're right, because this is a game that if you want to be in the playoffs and you want to talk about having a home field you know, advantage in the first round of the playoffs, possibly beyond that, depending on how the results go, you have to win this game. Yeah. So when it's Thursday at training and it's not going well, if Adrian says, it's all right, guys, don't worry, it's just Vancouver this week, that's a scarier oh, problem yeah. than Adrian yeah. going, by the way, you think you've got it in the bag? Yeah. I'll just bench you and play a whole new 11 and we'll mm -hmm. be, you know, we'll yeah. go with that. In the past, if he said that, I bet the guys would have gone, I dare you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Now <laughs> the players actually go, oh, you know yep. what? Like, uh, mm -hmm. okay, if he does that, They'd probably still win and then probably pick that team the next week and yeah then they and stay in exactly probably a few weeks before you get back into the team mm -hmm. if that's all and mm -hmm. this is the thing which we have spoken about before uh, and again i say this with all due respect but uh, over the last two years particularly the expansion campaign for minnesota united it, it was a little bit too easy wasn't it for the mm -hmm. starting 11 to drop off a little bit because there wasn't enough competition in this minnesota united side and uh, not to rattle off names and and you know embarrass anybody but 
some of the names that expansion year, I, I must admit, when we were watching them in training, I thought, how on earth mm-hmm. have we managed to to get 10 wins in that first campaign? Mm-hmm. Some of the, the individuals, I thought to myself, we belong nowhere near mm-hmm. um, a roster that's playing at this level of football. And, and, and it's... It's so refreshing to see the investment that Minnesota United have made mm-hmm. and now have finally turned themselves into what many view as one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Well, and I think we, we're at training every day, so we see the, the competitive nature of this club now and what every training session is like when they do get a chance to have a full week of practice and don't have a game midweek. And I think if you ask any guy on that roster, they would say the same. There's nothing better than being able to go to training every day and be tested and pushed and have that competition forced upon you because that's the only way you're going to get better and you're going to stay sharp. So it's these are all positive. These are all good things. And I was talking to Wyatt Almsberg the other day about, you know, going to Madison and, and playing on the weekends and then coming back and training. And he said he wouldn't have it any other way. He doesn't want to stay and train with Madison. And again, nothing against Madison and the USL guys, but he gleans so much and learns so much from coming back and training here Monday through Friday if he can and then going to Madison or wherever Madison goes to play those games. And he just felt like this past year, he's really been able to learn a lot just doing that and the development of this roster. One of the new star players for Minnesota United has listened not only on domestic stall here in the United States, also in the African Cup of Nations as well. Roma Metanair, you mentioned it earlier on, Jeremy, returned to Major League Soccer action against Real Salt Lake. Um, a lot of expectation because of his fabulous start, six assists and one goal in his appearances so far for Minnesota United. Um, what are we, first of all, what did we make of his performance in Salt Lake and what should we expect moving forward? So the biggest thing for me, and and going back to what Kendra said about the passing not being really sharp, um, is she's right. There was a lot of instances where that final ball inexplicably was just being played out of bounds. But I will say this, how much of a, of a, a safety belt is it to know that you're under pressure on the left side of the field? It comes to the middle of the field. You don't even have to look mm-hmm. or think, is Roman there? Because he is. And you just turn and you play a ball out in front of him. And chances are he's going to go get, he's going to go chase it down and he's going to create something from the right side. I've very rarely seen such a player that have so much faith and confidence in his other teammates that they just go, you know what, no matter what, I know I can just outlet it to him and we're in good hands from there and we'll go from there. That's such, such a compliment that all of your teammates, even the best ones on the team and the most important ones that are running the midfield know, hey, we're in trouble. Let's just give it to Ramon. Let's just find it to Ramon. We are talking about an outside back. Hmm. Like that is unheard of. By far, clearing away, Best outside back in the league for me. Don't even try to convince me otherwise. It's it's a no-brainer that he is an all-star. He wasn't voted in with the fan all-star, which I get. You have to really watch these games that Minnesota United play, and Minnesota United doesn't get the national television games that LAFC, that Atlanta do, and all this stuff. So obviously you're going to see those guys you know, more and more. But if you're starting a team right now and you say you've got to pick one outside back in the entirety of the league, I guarantee you... 90 to 95% of GMs would go, I'll take that Mets and guy from mm-hmm. Minnesota United. I think just him being back in Salt Lake, um, it, it's never easy. You go away with your country for six weeks and you start to go, right, okay, like you kind of adapt to what that mentality is. Sometimes it's a lot more defensive. 
you know, when you're Madagascar, you're a small, you know, island country playing in the African Cup of Nations. Um, you're going to weather a lot of storms, you know, and then look to break out on a counter here with Minnesota United. He's a lot more involved. So it's, it's asking him to be 10, 20 yards higher up the field than what he may have been for the last six weeks with his national team. But now you get him back into the, the swing of things. And, and there was a moment, I think, in the 84th minute, um, I chimed in to you guys that Joao Plata broke off on the left side, the near side of the TV, where he was five yards ahead of Roman. He had just come on probably about 10 to 12 minutes prior to that. Ball got played in behind. Roman started three, four, five yards behind Plata, caught up, ran past Plata, and Plata had to cut back and turn around and go the other way. That's in elevation in the 84th minute. Yeah. Your first game back with your club. First game he's played in, you know, 10, 12, 14 days. So, I mean, it wasn't easy, but it's indicative of this guy is incredible. It's a wonderful, amazing signing that Minnesota United have. And this is a guy to treasure and covet because, you know, hopefully he's here for a very long time. And, and I think we all know what, Everybody at the end of the season will see, and I can foresee if the second half playing plays out like the first half. Not only is he an all-star, I think he's in the best 11 at the end of the year. Well, you mentioned it as well. He is an MLS all-star as well. And Kendra, I, I would love to talk to you about this. Um, the, the, the question I, I guess I have for you is, do, do we expect Roma Metanel to start against Atletico Madrid? Because the only other person I could really see starting a right-back for the all-stars is probably Graham Zussi, who, who has not had a particularly compelling campaign for Sporting Kansas City. Roman Metanel is the lone loon, um, and I personally would expect him to start, but you could also see him coming in in the second half as well. Oh, man, I hope he starts. I think he's, he deserves to start. I think um, in that position, as Jamie just said, not just the best outside back, best right back for sure um, in the league this season to date, and I wouldn't expect anything to change. And... Um, I would love to see him start in that game. It was weird because selfishly, I kind of don't even want him to go to the All-Star game mm. <laughs> just because of his schedule and no, his No, I travel. definitely don't want him to. I mean, <laughs> to, to, to seriously, I, 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 and, and, I mean, I'm sure Adrian Heath and everybody else was probably trying to think of how he could not, you know, he could stay back without being penalized and without being suspended or fined or whatever else. But we also want the club represented um, because he is the lone representative for Minnesota United and to show everybody that if you didn't vote him in for the fan vote, then you know what you're missing. But I hope he gets to start. He should get the starting nod. I hope he stays healthy. That's all I can say. I don't know how many minutes he's going to play in that match, but all you mm. can hope for is that he comes back healthy and that people can see what his ability is. And, um, I, man, I, I just expect a lot of things from him in the second half, and I won't be surprised if we see um, it's going to be dependent to me in the second half on his partnership with whoever isn't playing in front of him. And right now it's been Ethan Finley, and I think that's been fun to see develop as this, uh, this part of the season has gone on. He led all defenders in assists before yeah. he left for the African right. combination. He was still like second assists. on the team in assists with Minnesota United and missed like six games. Right. You know, or whatever it was. For, anomaly of yes, a game. Exactly. Three should have been four assists. Right. And, like before that, know, it was, the weekend. Yeah. And he had missed all that time. So I think that just tells you. And, and if anybody asks, because it's not even in the stat sheet where he shows up, it's everything else. And, yeah. you know, his work rate is second to none. MLS All Star games, Jamie, are meant to not only be a celebration of, of what we have here in North America, but it is also meant to be a representation of, of the best and, and what Major League Soccer really has to offer. Um, do we expect Roma Metanel to be able to compete against the likes of Atletico Madrid 
and the array of stars that they have, but not only Metanair, but also the players around him as well, because there are a sprinkling of players that, in my opinion now, when you look at the, the all-star roster, I think all of these players on the roster now would be able to compete amongst the, the top end of European football. And, and you probably couldn't have said that five years ago. No, no, you couldn't. But I, but I think, does Metzner fit in that group? Yes. Do I think that he would be a pleasant surprise because he doesn't have the name recognition that others do? Yes. And if you look at what Madagascar was able to accomplish in the African Cup of Nations, I mean, they were going up against some of the biggest teams. I mean, they, they beat Nigeria. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then they played Congo. They lost to Tunisia ultimately um, to get to be knocked out of the tournament. Um, they're going again. He's going to get some of the most incredibly skilled, quick, athletic, outside you know wingers and and all of Africa. Mm-hmm. And he's been tasked with that responsibility. Madagascar team that's not going to keep possession, so they're defending a lot of the time. So it's not just about his ability going forward. It's also about his defensive responsibility. And he took him on the Cinderella run at the international level. Now, you go play in this game, look at the quality of teammates around you. Roma Metzner, like this is, this is not a disparaging comment to the team here currently mm-hmm. at Minnesota United, but the team that will be rolled out as the all-stars is quite simply the best team yes, yes. major league soccer could put together a few here and there misses. If you get some name recognition, no, no doubt about it. But I, I guess the, the point I'm trying to make here is, is does well, what does this all-star game do for him? Does it help elevate him as a player? I think it helps elevate his value on the international stage. If he goes and does well and can lock down the right side and you know, you start looking at whoever Atletico is going to roll out, um, on the left side, I mean, he's going to be at times. Is it, you know, Jao Felix? Is it? Uh, it does he find his way out to the left side? Is it Diego Costa up top? I mean, you start looking at the team that um, that Atletico Madrid have, and you start going, you know what? That's an incredible team. A team that plays in Champions League finals mm-hmm. um, can start challenges for it. They've played in the last couple of it. Um, does Roman Metzner belong on that field? Can he hang on that field? Absolutely. And so I think his biggest jump can be in his value, his reputation around the league, reputation worldwide from his play here the first half of the season in MLS, from his play with Madagascar. And then if he goes and does well in the all-star game, that's a resume highlight real moment, you know, that I think that it could be personally for him. I think his value goes through the roof from when we were able to secure a signature at the beginning of 2019. And I think it can only help his confidence grow as a player who's only 29 years old. I must admit as well, Kendra, I am very um, excited, almost giddy to watch this MLS All-Stars group go up against such a prominent powerhouse in Atletico Madrid. Um, very much looking forward to seeing that the youngster, Joao Felix, who's come across from Benfica. Uh, if you're watching, who are you looking forward to seeing from an Atletico point of view? Well, it's funny because I was just looking at the roster again and who he specifically named to come over here and kind of what the the highlights are going to be. And I would say that I think um, Felix is one of them, but I, I love Diego Costa. Mm. Like there's just something about him that I, I appreciate watching and I enjoy watching. And in a lot of these times, I honestly, I more want to see how these MLS all-stars do against them because I do think it was a time five years ago that this would be kind of a showcase for the visiting team. And it was all about selling tickets for 
the opposing team. And that was the draw. And I don't think that's the case anymore. And I think that's a wonderful thing mm. for MLS and for this league is that the tides are turning that of course people want to see Atletico Madrid. They want to see the stars come over just like when they go to international champions cup or some of these other, when Chelsea or Aston Villa or, you know, these teams come over for friendlies, but now it's because people want to see how MLS players fare against them and see the show that they're going to put on as much as the opposing team. And, um, for me, it's Diego Costa. I've always enjoyed watching him play, and I just I, I'm excited to see how how this game goes in the Orlando Heat. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one too. Yeah. You how about the skills challenge? Who's excited <laughs> yeah, for right. that one? Oh yeah, I forgot you, about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, are you excited to uh, about Kieran uh, Trippier making the move to Atletico? How do you think that goes for the Englishman? Well, do you know what? The one thing I will say in terms of this is I'm I'm glad from an English point of view that we have a young Englishman making a move abroad because that there's enough of it in my opinion. Um, it looks as if, and I have heard this, that it looks as if Daniel Sturridge is going to sign with Aston Villa. And I bring this up because I know for a fact, because I know a couple of agents who are around this deal, that he had an opportunity to go and play it at Inter Milan a couple of years ago when he went on loan to West Bromwich Albion. And he chose to go on loan to West Bromwich Albion because there was a, an almost a an element of comfort about it because he was staying in England and it wasn't going to be foreign soils and whatnot. So... Um, the reason I bring this up is because I, I was, I, I was pleading. I was, I was on my knees. Go abroad. <laughs> go and play somewhere. Go and get a new footballing experience, a different culture, a different lifestyle experience. Because I don't think English players have enough of that. Um, so the fact that Trippier ha has gone, um, I love that. And and now I think um, what it'll do more than anything, Jay, is I think it'll really elevate him as a footballer. Uh, from a technical point of view, yes. he hasn't got to worry about the pace side of it because mm -hmm. that, that's what the English game is built on is the, the fast Speed, nature fast, of it fast, fast. and the physical side of it as well. Um, I, I wonder how that's going to fit in at the Spanish League because what's a foul in Spain um, is not a foul in, in England and vice mm -hmm. versa. So we will have to do a little bit of adapting, no doubt. But I, I am very interested to see the next time Trippier plays for England, how much better he is technically. Um, and I just think an experience like that is only going to give him... Um, so much more confidence. It, it'll be a tremendous opportunity for him. And uh, but yeah, you, you're right. I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing um, what he does against the All Stars as well. So and then when he puts on the Three Lions jersey again, and you know, in the European Championships, how much better is he going to be? You know, hope in so. a year's time, you know, you would hope so. Yeah, you would really hope so. Playing um, five aside and and keep away in the mornings with, you know, <laughs> Atletico Madrid. Well, well, certainly tighten your feet up, bro. You're going to be in the middle running around for quite yes. a bit if you lose possession. <laughs> no, looking forward to that for sure. Uh, whilst we're on the subject of fullbacks, uh, we have a new one here at mm -hmm. Minnesota United as well. Wilfred Mwimbe Tarats. Say that again slowly for people who want to learn. Wilfred Mwimbe Tarats. But he wants to go by first name of... Well, he's, his first name is Wilfred. But he wants to go by Will. <laughs> yes, at least not, not the last yeah. name, but like <laughs> yeah. while we're calling him Wilfred, he was like, Will is okay. Like, that's call me Will, yes. but Moembe Tarat. Moembe Tarat is what's going to be on the back of his jersey because I believe it's almost like a double barreled name. Moembe mm -hmm. uh, Tarat. So um, he's uh, a 30 year old French left back who was joining from Nancy um, in Ligue 2 in France. And um, it's a six month contract, which. To me, highlights many a many a thing here, Kendra. I, I think obviously it shows confidence in Chase Gasper, because Minnesota United were looking, they were looking heavily at a couple of different fullbacks, particularly in France as well, because they like what they got from Roma Metinel. 
This, in my opinion, shows how much the coaching staff value Chase Gasper and view him as the long-term option, no doubt. Mwembe Tarats will play some minutes, no doubt. But I think right now this is proof that they view Chase Gasper as the first choice. I do. I, I agree with that 100%. And I think they changed their course of action because of the solidarity that they found in Chase Gasper at that left-back position. And we all know a true left-footed player in the left-back position that's solid that follows the game plan, that is disciplined defensively, but can also go forward and attack and, and serve a ball in. Those are all things that Chase Gasper has checked off the box. And he was a little bit, you know, struggled with some knocks and some injuries early on, but they loved him in preseason. I mean, he was getting a ton of minutes and they were very high on him. Then he had a couple of little setbacks and, and now he's right back in the swing. And I think Minnesota United, the coaching staff, the sporting staff changed their course of action and their direction based on that. And so I think if Chase Gasper keeps impressing like he has been and he stays healthy, then he is their number one left back choice. And how, how can you really view this signing as a negative when it's a six month loan, they didn't have to spend an insane amount of money from him from what I've been told or what I've, what's been rumored. And so I think um, that the, the key piece for me is Chase Gasper staying healthy. And once again, you have a solid amount of depth veteran, you know, more mature depth in that left back spot if need be. And if Chase Gasper needs a spell or needs a substitution or whatever, you come into another stretch like we've got coming up here with Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, how many ever games in in a short stretch, I don't think there's a negative to it. And I think he's going to be a great addition. And he said all the right things to the media the other day. He said all the right things to us um, about wanting to be here and intrigued by this league and and ready to compete and and give his all. So I'm excited about it. I think it's a good choice. Well, he, he did say the right things to the press and to us, Jamie. He said, I'm competitive. I want to win. I want to please and train hard. After speaking to the coaching staff, though, about Mwembe Tarats, we have, what, 13, 12 games left in the regular season of Major League Soccer with the Open Cup semifinals around the corner as well. In that time frame, bearing in mind he's only got a six-month contract, what can we realistically expect? I think he's going to ultimately prove to the coaching staff once he gets his opportunity in games, but I think the, the, how quickly can he adjust to the game? Does he show enough improvement from the initial time of signing to the end of the next 13 league games, as you mentioned, and, and open cup, hopefully semifinal and final friendly against Pachuca on September 7th. He's going to have to make leaps and bounds and enough progression in a quick amount of time Make no mistake about it. This is this is a sprint for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He has to sprint out of the gates to show the coaching staff enough that he is certainly worthy of starting, challenging for a starting spot, or a very capable backup because he is also a he's an international slot. Mm-hmm. Only a finite number of international spots for Minnesota United. That's their seventh now, and that's all they can have after trading one away. So there's he fills out the international spot roster now hopefully with green cards and whatnot, that'll hopefully that number will, will come down sooner rather than later. But with this, this is a player that has to show something quickly, show something dynamic. If he can replicate even a 50 to 75% portion of what Metzner has shown in the course of these next, I won't even say six months because six months when the deal ends, right? right? You've got to show within the next two to three months, three on the longer end of it, that 
there is something there and there is something worth the future, worth the investment of it. It's a brilliant business deal for Minnesota United because they're protected, right? If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But if it does work out, now you've got him here. Now he hopefully becomes integrated into the club. If you start to see within a month, you're like, this guy's legit and we've struck gold again because nobody knew that we were going to find this from Metzner. Mm-hmm. We didn't know that we were going to see this from Metzner when he came in. But if you already see glimpses and emergence of it and signs of it, you could sign the guy in six weeks to a deal for next year with an option for the year after that. You can do whatever you want to kind of hopefully control the scenario, but he has got to impress and impress quickly. It's a good athletic, sharp, lively, but everybody does in the first two or three days when you're sure. training with a club because there's that natural exuberance and excitement of what you're doing. And and I want to show well. I want to impress, but can he maintain it? we've had a few that didn't. <laughs> oh, okay, there's, there's, there's been one or two of those. We like to assume more. that everyone wants to look that way. <laughs> but even even in the first couple of days, it's, it's easy to, to, to trick people, but quickly you get found out especially with how good this team is. So um, <laughs> you're absolutely right, Kendra. Not everything's a guarantee, but I think uh, I, I think that Minnesota United and the staff has definitely bought back some of the good faith in the signings. Yep. Because when you look at the five from the offseason, the three from the draft. Well, and truth be told, right, We, we you never know exactly how somebody's going to translate into this league. No. I mean, even look at Rasmus they, Schuller, perfect right, example. Perfect example. He wasn't yeah. great in his first seven games some, here in 2017. Wasn't adjusting to life. Like top leagues in other countries. Like you just don't know how they're going to translate to this league, even mm. if they come in fit and they're coming from a, a top league. I mean, you just don't know until until they get it. And you can say that when somebody goes abroad and goes to another league as well. Like, sure. So some of it is just the quality of player that you're scouting and bringing in the first place. And the other piece of it is you just don't know how they're going to translate to the U.S. into MLS. Or way of life in the yes. United States. Right, Family, right. Something everything. you can't even control. Yes, yes. When that first winter hits, are they going to be able to tough it out? <laughs> <laughs> Most of them bail. Exactly. <laughs> Go back to the warmer weather. <laughs> well, talking of uh, international players, a, a little quick game here for you guys, which, oh, which I just God. thought of on the top of my head. This ought to be um, good. And I only bring this up because I've just seen that Robin Van Persie, the former oh. uh, Manchester to United uh, centre forward and Arsenal centre oh, forward God. has joined one of the television stations um, in the UK. Because um, everybody can do it. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> you just talk. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how he would react when the producer screaming down his ear. Um, uh, uh, Robin van Persie, the reason I bring this up is because Robin van Persie was somebody I always expected to come and play here in Major League Soccer. Um, so just off the top of your heads, mm-hmm. a, a couple of players that you expected to come and play in MLS that, that oh. didn't. So, for example, straight away, I think of Ronaldinho, mm. right, who, who mm. you know, I know he very nearly signed with the Galaxy a couple of years ago, but, you know, he never quite made it over here. Another one I always expected to end up in Major League Soccer was Ruud van Nisseroy. Mm. Um, so, little, you know, players like this, um, and it can be from anywhere, Kendra, just off the top of your heads, someone who you expected to play in MLS that, that didn't. Man... Should we give you time to think? <laughs> yeah, give me time to think. Okay, Jamie, we'll go for you first. First one, and I still think he does. Um, I think. Who? I didn't hear you. I said the first one, oh, like okay. the first, like first oh, one okay, that comes yeah, to mind yeah, straight yeah, away. Yeah. Yep. And I still think he does, but I would have thought it would have happened by now. Chicharito, mm. I still yes, think he yes. comes over. Um, you've heard rumblings of Falcao. I think that he comes over at some point. 
Um, now, look, obviously, there's only three DP spots, and not everyone can go to Miami. And at David, the moment, David there is anyway, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how the Beckham CBA, rule changes yeah. right when when Miami comes into play. Uh, I wonder what Beckham's you know text message inbox oh looks like God. nowadays. Oh. Getting uh, getting text outbox for that matter. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's no shortage of people saying, "Hey, hey, Dave, how's it looking there? Yeah. Really excited <laughs> with the project you got there." Yeah. Um, I think also too one that I would have loved to have seen um, that didn't was I would have thought maybe Javi would have come over, but instead he took the big paycheck and Middle went East, over. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and and for him, he didn't need the money when he played at Barcelona for a decade. I thought he would have just maybe come over and liked to have actually maybe gone the Pirlo route, except actually try. <laughs> um, Pirlo is great, by the way. Having said that, um, one guy I'd love to have a glass of wine with oh, and yes. talk hair with. Oh, like how do you get the flow and it's just it's just it's great. Um, yeah, I mean those are those are three that come to mind. Kendra, you've had time now. I know. God. Am I? I, I mean, I, am I nuts for thinking that there's still a chance that a player like Messi or Ronaldo could come over here? Yes. Oh no, absolutely. Messi, not. yes. So? Ronaldo, no. I think Ronaldo. <laughs> I think Ronaldo would do it just to. Well, yeah, because he, well, can he come back to the U.S.? He can't right he now. He just got cleared. From yeah, okay. yeah. With all the with all the, the <laughs> article like just subjects. came out, but we're not, I don't I don't, don't want to touch that one. But why do you say no to Messi? Why do you think he wouldn't? Because I think Messi cares about his legacy in soccer and football more than Ronaldo. And you, don't think, you just think it would be completely tarnished. I don't think it would be tarnished by saying that. I think he I think he cares about Barcelona and mm-hmm. playing there. And if the only other mm-hmm. club he goes to, he'd go back home to Argentina and play. Yeah. I don't think I don't think that he would I don't think he would see anything that he could accomplish right in the United States. Yes. Well, and that's no that's no knock to Major League Soccer. I think right, that's right, his right. viewpoint because he is not an outspoken personality that wants to then after he's done playing carry over living that lavish lifestyle of look at me. Does Ronaldo want to do that mm-hmm. to an extent? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The guy, when football's done for Ronaldo, you're not going to stop hearing about him. He's going to do something right. where you're always seeing what's the next biggest, best thing that he's ever done. Look at, I mean, I don't know. I, th- I think that's that's me judging two books by its covers, but I think Ronaldo would be the one to want to come over and say, let me show you that I could fill up every stadium oh, that sure. I go to like in the United States. Right. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. Along the yeah. same lines. It's the ego driven. They're cut from the same cloth, yeah. Ibrahimovic yeah. and Ronaldo. I don't think Messi is. So, yeah. okay, apart from Messi, Ronaldo. You know, I don't know that there's anybody that so far in this league has surprised me that they didn't come. But going forward in the next five years, as the as this league continues to evolve and the stadiums and the soccer specific stadiums, as as we see, maybe maybe then I'll be more surprised because I don't know that there's anybody. I mean, you brought up a ton of really good names that I've been like, oh man, I'm I'm surprised that you know so and so once they were done with football in Europe or when, once they were done wherever they're playing that they didn't come here or they didn't leave a little bit earlier to come over here and play that mm. shocks me but as this league continues to evolve and continues to grow the next five or ten years is going to be where for me I I would be surprised if people are not coming here to play right and I think that's just the growth of the league and like the level of this league and the fact that people are coming to this league well before they're done playing. But the listeners want good. names. They want talking points. <laughs> Remember when Alexi Lawless sat in that chair over there in the in the same room yeah. that we do it and he was reeling off names yeah. and it was it yeah. was controversy. Give us give us like a, a, a controversial name that you're like, 
I don't know if it would cause complete chaos. Well, all I can think about right now is the, is some of the names that have come here and didn't embrace it, and and they've you know kind of crapped on the league because they just didn't embrace it and they didn't choose it. I can't I can't think of players that didn't want to come mm. or chose not to or that I thought would have and didn't. But as much as I can think about players that didn't embrace the league and then they say that you know they speak negatively about the league. And that's a poor indictment on it's more on them and not on the league itself. Like, that's what reminds me, you know, like mm. of Gerard or, you know, right. like, and then you had other players on the opposite and like a Robbie Keane who totally embraced it, you know, and, and I, I, those are the ones I have memories of because they just didn't embrace it when they did come over here and shame on them. I'm right. shocked to big Ronaldo original. I, oh, you know, that yeah. was the one I was going to say. He still could come and try. I Have you know. seen a picture? Of him? 100%. I think it would be highly entertaining. I'm not saying he'd be good. <laughs> Have you seen? I'm gonna. Well, hold on. No, no, Let's no, get a I live know. reaction. I'm not saying he could actually like make a team, but like I think it'd be fun. You don't think what, that would be entertaining? He couldn't, he couldn't make it that, ten minutes I, running. I think he, the original Ronaldo would struggle to to move for, to jog for, to really? make it through the warm up lap. Oh. He's a big boy now. He's a big boy. I mean, he was always. I'm not heavy. saying he's gonna make a team and play 90 minutes. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, when you you know you see a guy that still has that kind of skill and technical ability. Right, right. It'd this like guy. Mar- you think this guy? Yeah, it'd be like if Maradona over? tried to come out. Like that would be <laughs> high, that would be highly entertaining. At 42. Yeah. I must admit that there there are a couple of those older Brazilian players who who I really thought would come here. It was Roberto Carlos. Ronaldo, Roberto well, Carlos. I thought yeah. Cafu as well. Yeah. I thought those sort of players would come over here at one stage. But um, they anyway, really, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it just seems like, especially that, like in that country specifically, they don't really, they didn't really ever embrace MLS. <laughs> No. I mean, how many Brazilian... But also that like, generation studs. of Brazilians that, yeah. we're, that we're throwing names out for yeah. is MLS 1.0. Uh, correct, right. correct. Right, it's true. a very, very different major league right. And the money wasn't being thrown around to the entice next, them either. Even in the next five or ten years, I think that'll be more intriguing Like because I, I do think it'll just... People will want to be here. Yeah. It's a good game, Cal. You thought that went off Sorry, the you, did, you actually head, really, yeah. like, not the radio bit of like, oh, I'm just going to come over the game, but we've got, like, <laughs> all these well-thought-out answers. think? Why the what? Sorry, goalkeepers. Why don't they come over yeah. here? Um, you know what I mean. I, I don't. I don't that... think goalkeepers are held in the same regard in terms of, of outfield players in, in the American market. I don't think goalkeepers are paid as much as outfield players. Um, Not the, even close. Uh, yeah. So I mean, Tim Howard is is a, a rarity, and yeah. it's obviously he's uh, has a, a supreme legacy within yeah. U.S. soccer. Yeah. But I I can't remember off the top of my head any of the goalkeeper that's come over here Mm-mm. and. Earned so much money. The, the other one who's on a good wage at the moment is obviously Brad Guzan. Yeah. Again, the American connection. Yes. Um, I, I just, you know, for example, um, you know, if um, Ike Casillas was mentioned mm-hmm. coming over here a couple of years ago, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a, a player like that might have earned a bit of money, but I still don't think it's anything compared to you know, some of the other superstars that are playing here, like uh, even some of the ones that, that are now gone, like Jovinko, for example. Yeah. I think Casillas earns probably half of what Sebastian Jovinko earned when he was playing yep. here. And and even at the top end of the league now, you know, I, I just can't, I, I just don't, I don't think the American market, I'm not, I'm not devaluing goalkeepers, right. but I think there's more value on the field and certainly off the field to the big attacking names now. That's the correct answer. Yeah, That's we're not devaluing the them, but no, the no, no, lead, no. like, but the, 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 the structures, it doesn't, it just, yeah. The, sal- it just, the, the yeah. salary, yeah. the designated player, the yeah. international. So yeah. if you're going to go 
a designated player spot, one of your only three, an international spot, one of your only eight, sometimes seven of you change it. And then you're going to go a big chunk of that designated player salary comes off of your salary cap is for a goalkeeper. I mean, is there, is there that, is there that the kind of goalkeeper that can warrant that is playing somewhere in Europe, making 10 times over what he could here. Mm -hmm. Right. And the difference, the difference between a goalkeeper that's good enough to maybe come over here and entice you at a lower number and a goalkeeper that is an American domestic goalkeeper that you could acquire or you could hopefully develop or draft. It's not that big of a difference to spend that much. You'd be crazy to do that if you were a GM. Uh, well, talking of uh, designated players uh, and uh, the possibility of, of more coming over to Major League Soccer, one team that'll have, at the moment as it stands, three open DP spots is the uh, t- the new team down in uh, Texas, Austin FC, uh, who will be coming in, uh, not next year, but the year after. Um, so are we surprised, Kindra? Is this a good or a bad thing, in your opinion, that Josh Wolf has already been named their head coach? Uh, man, I... Because there's arguments to yeah, either side. Mm-hmm. I, I don't... I think everyone needs an opportunity to ha- to be a, a head coach for the first time. And so I don't want to just say the fact that he has no head coaching experience is, you know, a bad sign for them. But I, I don't know that I love the reasons that they rattled off for why they liked him. Oh, he's personable. He's a... You know, he's, I mean, of course he's a great soccer mind and, and, and a lot of people make great assistant coaches, but not necessarily great head coaches. And of course he knows soccer and he tactically, he knows what he's doing and he can speak the game and he can talk the game, but that doesn't necessarily translate into a head coach because I think people underestimate how much goes into being a head coach. Mm. It's not just showing up every day and, and, you know, throwing the starting 11 out there. I mean, it's, it's a bigger master plan. And I don't know how the entire front office or, or sporting side, I should say, is structured over there with Austin. But, um, you know, I mean, more power to him in, in getting this opportunity and hopefully he runs with it and and does good things. But there's so much pressure now uh, nowadays on these expansion teams yeah. and these first-year head coaches, or even if it's not a first-year head coach, but you're taking over a team like Austin and, and into MLS. So... I, I don't know that um, he's the right guy for the job, and I don't know who they all hired, but I would have I would have preferred somebody with a little bit more MLS head coaching experience. I don't know who that is, but just reading all the articles about why they selected him, and maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised, but it seems like we've seen a lot more, you know, failures as of late than, than success stories of people taking over head coaching jobs that had never had any prior head coaching experience in MLS. So he's personable and he's got a good soccer mind. That's literally the reasons that they gave earlier on. Why didn't they appoint you as a head coach? Right, like, this right. is my point. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. And and again, everyone deserves to be the, have a first chance. I sure. mean, no one would ever be a head coach for the first time anywhere then, right? I mean, you have to have a first time at some point. And so I maybe he'll pleasantly surprise us and he'll completely light the world on fire and um, but he's got a lot of, he's going to have a lot of eyeballs on him in Austin too, with the way they got that franchise, with the fact that they had soccer before and it went away and the way it went from Columbus crew, you know, and then Austin and then in the and pre-court and all that jazz, there's a lot going on there that he might have to handle. That's outside of just the soccer realm with the media attention that I think Austin is going to get. And obviously, Jimmy, you played there for a year. Um, is it going to be that? The, the shining beacon of, of Texan soccer? Is it what people are going to expect it to be? Well, that's to be seen. 
because neither iteration of the USL version of an Austin soccer team has worked. But having said that, much like an Orlando market, there's the only competition where in Orlando and Orlando did succeed because there was only the Orlando magic there, much like in Salt Lake. Real Salt Lake succeeded because there was only the Utah Jazz there. Limited competition. They're only competing against the University of Texas. They'll have a stadium that is just just off the downtown landscape. So it's it's a very good location um, for a stadium, which makes it accessible to surrounding suburbs, but also um, to the downtown population, which is a young, vibrant, um, you know, kind of kind of a, a, a soccer going age that they like to that major league soccer likes to target. That's their, their wheelhouse demographic. But I want to go back to just maybe for the, for the listeners, the, the, the argument sake of, you know, there's obviously the, 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 the kind of hesitation and, and borderline skepticism of Josh Wolf. Maybe I'll give you some reasons as to why it could work. Anthony Precourt, whether you like him, love him, have no opinion of him, whatever. He knows what Josh Wolf is like day in and day out, having worked in Columbus with Josh Wolf. He was assistant from 2013 to 2018. So there has been obviously a relationship that's been built over years where it can either prove that this is a guy that could handle the demands of a head coaching job in this league, or you're going to prove that you just don't have the work ethic, you don't have the talent, you don't have the, the mindset to be a head coach in this job. So if anybody's going to know Josh Wolf enough, it's going to be. Anthony Precourt from his Columbus crew days. Also, he's worked within Greg Berhalter, who systematically built together one of the best MLS team structures and tactical shapes in the Columbus crew over the last several years, day in and day out, working side by side with Greg Berhalter. So from a club standpoint, that you can make the discussion about Berhalter and his tactics at the national team level when you get him for sporadic periods of time. And is that going to work? Is it not going to work? That's one debate. But it's proven to work at the club level where you have him day in and day out. And apart from a year he had at D.C. or you know whatever it was, two years he had before as an assistant coach with D.C., that's really the bulk of what his coaching mentality is going to be is exactly what Berhalter did. And if he goes to Anthony Precourt and says, right, I know the type of players I want. I know the type of system I want to implore and I want to be able to do this. And you know how I work that ticks all the boxes for pre-court right there. And if he's good enough to be a part of that system that put together one of the best Columbus crew teams, he was good enough to be dubbed by Greg Berhalter and U S soccer federation to be an assistant for the U S men's national team. I think all the makings there that if you're going to hire somebody, Look, whether you're Alan Koch and you win every single game of FC in Cincinnati for the last two or three years before they make their way into Major League Soccer and then doesn't survive the first third of the season, there's no guarantee that it's going to work. Adrian Heath has seen it now twice with two expansion teams. It is so difficult. Gone are the days when 98 Chicago Fire Bob Bradley comes in and they win the double right off the bat. The league simply is not set up to make expansion teams succeed. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a bit of a process to get to the point of where you want to be. Orlando City's case in point, the um, the path that Minnesota United took with their short turnaround to make the jump. The one benefit that I think Austin has with the timing of it is it goes along the same method of Atlanta United, where they had about 18 months of prep time from when they got the official go ahead, you know, and got the coach in place and can start making yeah. all these signings and scoutings and whatnot. So you've got time, you've got experience, you've got the relationship, and I I actually am optimistic about the hire. 
as much optimism as you can have of any coach that's going to take over an expansion team in major league soccer. Mm. If he gets to 10 wins the first year, you chalk it up to a massive success and say, let's keep building on. I, um, I do wonder, um, just how well it's going to go. And I, and I do think as well, in my opinion, he's going to need some experienced bodies around him, some experienced coaches, but we'll wait and see. Anyway, uh, we've, we've gone on way too long. Shocker. Us guys struggling to talk, talk about football, huh? Who's um, your game, Cal? Mike, yeah, I just really you got to do it every week. You got to do it every week from here That's on out. That's my fault. Yeah, I apologize. Um, <laughs> right. So last couple of minutes, then uh, Minnesota United go up against Vancouver Whitecaps. Mm. Kindra, uh, no win in ten mm. for Vancouver. I think it's sixteen goals they've conceded in the last four games. Where on earth has it gone wrong for Vancouver this year? Well, it's interesting because uh, Mark Dos Santos said after their absolute smashing by New England Revolution that he didn't know where the identity went of this team because he felt like they struggled a bit early on, but we all knew that that was going to be a process. Learning the way he goes about things, it's a hard a hard way to learn the way he wants things done. And then all of a sudden they seem to right the ship a little bit and then the wheels seem to fall off and the wheels have really fallen off. I mean, they have rolling off into the ocean, into the, you know, by the seaplanes, they are gone. And I think Mark Dos Santos, the only thing that's going to cure this right now is winning. And I don't see them winning anytime soon. I just really don't with this, with this group and the way, but it's going to, I don't know. It's going to have to take something from some veteran leadership on that roster. And I don't know where that is going to come from with this group of people. And he has said himself that this roster still needs six or seven more bodies to make this a viable competitive roster. I don't know how the guys in the locker room feel about that. When you hear your coach saying that that's tough to take and want to play for that coach and run through a wall for that coach when they're saying that, even though it might be true and he might be more speaking to the ownership about what they need. Um, I'm guessing it's going to be three, nothing Minnesota this weekend. I mean, they couldn't buy a goal in the Canadian championship last night. Hardly. And it just seems like they did. They did barely. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I mean, I just think if, if Minnesota can score on them early, they're going to be in in a whole lot of trouble, but this is also one of those games. It could be a trap game with the team that's coming in struggling and you can't take them lightly. And I think that's what Adrian's message was at training today with their kind of bit of sloppy training to, to get them on the right track for Vancouver on Saturday. It's the important thing, isn't it, Jamie? You, You can't take a team like this lightly, despite the fact they are bottom of the Western conference if you are going to solidify yourself as one of the elite in the Western Conference, you have to purely and with all due respect, fairly easily push a team like this aside. Yeah, you do. And this is the seventh game in the month of July for Vancouver. Um, it, it's been a, a horrid stretch for them. Uh, mind you, they didn't win any of those games this <laughs> month. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's about as bad and as bleak as you can. And I think it speaks to a lot of the mentality of the players in the group. Um, the coach can can try to dress it up, dress it down, whatever he says. It comes down to the to the group that's in the locker room. And are you mentally strong enough to to give yourself a kick in the butt when you need? And and I don't think they are. I don't think the guys that were brought in to be the the leaders and and the the answers to to all the Vancouver Whitecaps questions they had after letting Carl Robinson go. Um, I don't think they have a strong enough personality to be able to fix this right now. Because if they did, they would have by now. So I think it comes down a lot more to the six inches between the ears of a lot of the players in the group right now, more so than what Mark DeSantos says before or after a game or, you know, to the press. I think he's he's got an idea, but also, too, it comes down squarely to the players that are in the locker room. And, and for Minnesota United, I think getting the first goal um, in this game early, I think that is the, that's, that is what ultimately could just start off a whole domino effect of, here we go again. This is going to go poorly. We're we're losing. We're going to lose again. You know, I think you cannot let Vancouver hang around this. Uh, much like you saw with um, FC Cincinnati, 
Um, you know, FC Cincinnati hit the hit the crossbar in the eleventh minute, I believe. Had that go gone in, you then they would have had a sense of belief about it. Oh well, maybe we defend really well for the rest of the game. Maybe we walk away with something here. But then once the first goal went in, they were done. Then it went two, then it went three, four, five quickly. I mean, you just, it's very similar. I've been in these types of roles. Winning's a habit, losing is a habit. And right now, they have a big habit of losing. And can you just continue to be ruthless? You can't care. You, if you're Minnesota United, score early, score often, try to get in, try to, try to be pressing, try to make it a miserable day for them at Allianz Field and try to get the game's first goal. And that's how you ultimately just get them back into that mindset of, uh, what are we doing? This is just going to be another loss. Let's just get out of here and look forward to the next game a week later, which is against FC Cincinnati, which maybe then we can ride the ship. Yeah, that would be the opportunity, wouldn't it? Um, finally then, guys, uh, Daniil Henry, the centre-half for Vancouver Whitecaps, described this stretch as a never-ending nightmare. Mm. Does that nightmare continue? Prediction for Saturday, please. Yeah, I mean, 3 nothing Minnesota. Jamie? Yeah, I mean, I think it could go. I think it could go four nothing. I'm going to say four one. I do think the Whitecaps are fairly decent on set pieces, and um, they beat Minnesota United twice through a set piece on the opening day. Now, bear in mind that was a long, long time ago, and these teams are very different. Um, but I'm going to say four one, and Minnesota United comfortably, at least for a couple of hours, will move into second. In the Western Conference. Say that again, Kyle. Moving to second oh, in the good. Western sounds Conference. Sounds good when it rolls off the tongue. My thanks, as always, to Kendra D. St. Aubin and to Jamie Watson. And you can watch Minnesota United take on Vancouver Whitecaps as the Loons look to secure win number 11 of their 2019 Major League Soccer campaign. It gets underway on Fox Sports North Plus, 6.30 p.m. Central, as always. Thank you so much for joining. You've been listening to a Minnesota United production.